Would you turn with me, as we've always done for the last few weeks, I've been on the subject forever, settled. Psalms 119.89. I believe this is a profound message that God has given me and very important to the body of Christ. If you're getting this, it's going to make a difference. I hope to transform your thinking to the point that you would say, I, I just could never believe that old way again. That you'd never be able to look backwards and, and agree with some of the teaching that's out there. We hear a lot of stuff out there today that leads us into valleys and leads us into wildernesses and leads us into so many things. And we got those from traditions. They weren't scriptures. And once the tradition was formed, we formed the scripture around the tradition and we just haven't been able to get loose with those traditions. And then men began to preach out of what they had preconceived to be the idea of God. And, and because of that, it left them with only one message. God takes us through wildernesses. He beats us up, makes us sick, provides death and mayhem to us so that he can make us better. And that is so untrue and so wrong. It is not God. God said he's good all the time. Amen. Look at somebody and say, God is good, God is good. All, the time. all the time. All the time. God is good. See, the Bible says every good and perfect gift, every perfect, every good gift comes from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither, neither shadow of turning. If we want to know what God is like, he's a good God. Acts 10, 38 clears, clearly defines God for us. In Acts 10, verse 38, it says, Jesus went about doing good. Look at somebody, he say this. He went about doing good. Didn't say bad. He went about doing good, Acts 10, 38. He went about doing good, healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Say the devil. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus comes. Jesus has come. Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. That we don't just have to endure life, but that we can enjoy life. Say amen. Every good thing and every perfect thing comes from God. And so we need to know this. We need to know clearly that God is our friend and not our enemy. It begins there. The very foundation of our belief has to be that God's not the one bringing these challenges. God is not the one putting us into these things. God is not the one doing them. And to suggest that God's will is involved in it is to suggest that God's doing it or that it's his purpose. Well, he knows his plans towards us. They're plans to prosper us, to bring us to an expected end. Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, you've got to begin with the right process, the right thinking. You've got to know that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, not because God wandered them in the wilderness, but because they disobeyed God. Because of their disobedience, the Bible says, they wandered in the wilderness. And I'm not suggesting, I love all the pastors and preachers. And I'm grateful for the messages that I've even heard. But I grew up in a, in a religious thinking. And, and, and so, you know, I, I was all, it was, they always twisted it up to make, it, to make us believe that everything we went through in life, God was the orchestrator of it for us to be better. The truth is, that's just not true. I mean, to suggest that, that, that God puts sickness on people and death. If we want to know who God is, the Bible says that I remember Reggie White, one of the great football players. Uh, he decided to take a year sabbatical or two and go over to Israel because he wanted to know what God was like. And so he was going to go back into the rabbinical teachings and go back and messianic, uh, uh, learn messianic things. 
And I thought, how dumb is that? If you want to know God, you, you, the Bible said, Jesus said, if you've seen me, I mean, you don't need to know God through, not knowing, through going back to the Messianic times. We can just look at Jesus. We can discover who Jesus is, and we will know. He said, my words, the spirit, they are life. He said that his, he didn't say anything except the Father told him to. So if he spoke and words came out of his mouth, who told him to do it? What words were they? Whose words were they? They were his Father's words. I and the Father are one. Isn't that what he said? So to know God, we got to know Jesus. Well, I never once have seen in the Scriptures anywhere, not anywhere, and you won't find it anywhere where Jesus put cancer on anybody. I defy you to find one place where Jesus was starving a crowd, where Jesus took their money. Come on, let's just talk about it. I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we have this impression of God, and yet Jesus is God, expression of God, Clearly God, and never did any of those things. He never once, dis never once displayed to us anything but a good God. He healed all those who were sick and oppressed, not of God, but of the devil. Listen, if it ain't good, oh, I love y'all. Let's just do that one more time. If it ain't good, it ain't God. It just can't be. Our heavenly, loving Father. You start there. If something has attacked you, attacked your family, attacked your finances, attacked your body, you need to know that that's the devil. The first thing that ought to come up on you is, is I'm going to stand against the devil. He said, cast down every thought and vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and do that. You need to do it. Don't give any real estate to the devil. When, you, when it starts to show up, you show up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Speak to the mountain and say unto it, Be thou removed, plucked up and cast in the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe the thing you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. And when you stand praying, believe that you receive it, and bless God, you'll have it. Just quoting a few scriptures for you. We need to know these things. So, I mean, immediately when you see something don't look like God, you ought to, don't pacify it. Don't stand there and indulge in it. Don't accept it. Don't try and justify it and try and make it line up with your condition. We don't make the Word of God line up with our condition. We make our condition line up with the Word of God. When sickness comes, what do you do? By Jesus Christ. You'd rebuke the devil and he has to flee. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't let one thing come on you. And you fight as hard as it takes. I've noticed with me, the devil comes and he'll attack my body. I know immediately who it is because sickness don't come from God. And so the moment sickness shows up of any kind, I immediately go to war. And I mean, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I don't have to believe the report of the world. I can believe the report of the Lord. His report says I'm healed. Amen. Healing is the children's bread. Little things will come up. You'll know they could be big things if you don't deal with them. And I start attacking that thing. I start laying hands on my body. Y'all would think I was crazy if y'all saw me. No, you don't, Jesus. Get off me. You get out of my body. You don't belong there. This is a body. This is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't receive it. I'm doing that with his fat right now. It's Jesus, man. I come. I've been talking. You know, I have been inspired. I got to tell you the truth. I have been inspired. I I had to tell my wife the other day, I have lost 
16 pounds. In 13 days. Because I got, I got to thinking, I'm preaching faith. I better start working my faith. But I heard this preacher talking about fat guys. Preacher. He's talking about, he was equate. He was, I'll just explain to you. This preacher was, I won't tell you the whole story because then you know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to. So he starts talking about fat. He's equating fat to a sin. And he started talking about, and I thought, if I ever get to meet that guy, I better not be fat. Because if I'm going to talk to him about what I'm going to talk to him about one day, I don't want him to look at me and go, well, you're fat. I got inspired, man. So I'm going to get thin. And he may watch my broadcast. If you're watching my broadcast today, sir, I'm getting thin in Jesus' name. And then we're going to talk. <laughs> I'll be no stumbling block to no man, I'm telling you. No one will point the finger at this preacher. <laughs> the Bible said, be all things to all men. If it's going to stop my voice from being heard, I'm going to lose the weight. But I got inspired, I'm telling you. Now, we started on Sunday night telling you you don't have to be poor. Psalm 119 tells us that his word is forever settled. When God said it, he meant it. He doesn't lie. We may not understand it because there are secret things that we don't get. But they are revealed to us by his spirit. And we started talking about that, that God wants you to prosper. That the three things he did away with in the curse of the law were poverty, sin, and sickness. When we dealt with sin. We dealt with sickness. Now let's deal with poverty. Amen. Poverty is not something Christians should have in their lives. Now you may be poor, but you are not in poverty. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I'm going to tell you, God don't want you poor. God don't want you poor. We serve a God that is El Shaddai. He's the God that is more. Somebody say more. More than enough. You might be living in not enough. You might be living in just enough. But God wants you to live in more than enough. That's, that's just a fact. That is forever settled. It's forever settled. And without having to go too far into that, I want to talk to you about what I talked about Sunday night and then go a little further. And then we'll come back tonight and I'll deal with it some more. It's forever settled. Listen to Proverbs 10, 22. The blessings of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow thereto. That's what we're, we're given. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though uh, he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you could be rich. More than enough. Rich. Able to give unto every good work. Third John 2 says this. Beloved, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. God's decision, God's desire for us is to be blessed and rich. More than enough. You have to understand, my definition of rich is more than enough. I don't know what enough is for you, but it's more than that. I mean, there's nothing wrong. If you're rich today and you live in a, in a mansion and you have a lot of money, God still wants more than enough. Still wants more than enough. What bothers me is that we have poverty mentality. Folks, it's a poverty mentality. Listen, there's nothing wrong with taking a hand up. 
but it's supposed to be a handout. Okay, I got a 10 shouts amen on that one. Folks, listen, I'm not talking about politics because that's not what the church is. So I want you to forget about the political junk and all that's going on and all that mess. We are, king, we are, the, we are a part of the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk about Christians and how you don't have to live poor. And it's not based on the government of the United States. It's not based on who the president will be. It's not based on none of that. I want y'all to wash that out of your head while I talk this morning. Forget it. Forget it. And don't let the devil use this stuff to get y'all into some mess. I've been in six elections. I've elected six presidents. It all looks the same to me. Some of you youngsters that think you've seen it and all, everything is so bad and all this. I've been in six elections and every one of them looked exactly the same. A bunch of hate and a bunch of junk and a bunch of lies and a bunch of nothing, nothing, nothing. Get out of that. Don't let the devil get you into that mess. Don't let him get you all tied into that stuff. You are a member of the kingdom of heaven. It starts right there. My God... If you don't get that, you got a mess. You're going to be in a mess. It don't matter who you pull the lever for in that booth. God needs to be your source. And if God's not your source, folks, you're in trouble. If you think somebody's going to be your source and they're going to get you out of trouble, you done messed up. Hallelujah. I don't trust in men. I trust in God. I'm not trusting in the vote in Congress. I'm trusting in God. I don't know about no other church, but I will preach the truth anyhow. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? You understand what I'm talking about? Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Now, let me tell you something. We need to get out of poverty. Fact. Folks, we need to get out of poverty. We need to get out of a handout mentality. The Bible says that the borrower will be subject to the lender. If you're borrowing and pleading and begging, that ain't God's will. You may be on food stamps today, and that may be a hand up, and it should be a hand out, but you better have a better mentality than food stamps. I'm for it. I'm for public assistance. I think it's necessary. People go through stuff. But God said. I don't know about nobody else. I don't plan on living there the rest of I don't plan on going down to the SSI place every week, whatever it's called. I don't even know. SSDI, DISS, the something, 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 and the hootie, hootie, what's it? I don't care what it is. I'm not going down there. I don't live there. I don't know about nobody else. I don't care what anybody says. God don't want me to live. It's better to live in a house that's nice than live in a box. I would rather have a hot, fresh meal on my table than go down to the food pantry. Peanut butter's good, but I'd rather have a steak. We get convinced into this stuff by the devil. The devil locks us into a poverty mentality. Every person sitting in this room this morning, every single one of you sitting in this room this morning has millionaire potential sitting right there in that seat. 
Every one of you. I met a man when we started this church. He was crippled. He had spinal meningitis or some disease. He could barely walk. We started this church and years ago, he wasn't accepting anything. I mean, this is years back when nothing was happening. And the man lived right here in Florence. When I met him, he was a multi-millionaire. They never thought he would live. They never thought he would produce anything. They never thought he would be anything. He was sickly, crippled, diseased, and everything else. The man came in and said, how did you do this? I mean, how in the world? I mean, you look at a man barely can walk, face all crippled up, looked all gangly. Nothing, nothing. I mean, nobody, everybody passed him by. You could tell. He said, well, one day I went and started an ice cream cone stand. One of those ice cream, ice cone stand. You know what I'm talking about? Where you do shaved ice on the side of the road. Before long, he said, I parlayed that into about 10 of them. He said, then I took that money and invested it in a chemical company. And when I met him, was a deca millionaire. Deca millionaire. I thought if God could bless that man, and that man could start off with shaved ice on the side of the road, and everybody pass him by, and nobody give him a shot at life, nobody give him any hope, I know there's hope for me. You know, every once in a while I sit in the mall, I like to watch people. And you'll see some ugly dude. Y'all ever seen this ugly guy? He just, uh, I mean ugly. You know he's got a nice car. You know what I'm talking about? But an ugly dude, ugly dude, and got this good looking thing next to him. Y'all ever seen that? See, everybody's seen that. Don't that give y'all hope? You know what I'm talking about? I used to look at my buddies before I got married. I said, I know there's hope. I know there's hope. <laughs> Money is a necessity. You can't live without it. You, you, everything you want to do in your life is going to take money. There's nothing wrong with you having money. God wants you to have money. He just don't want money having you. God wants our houses paid off. He wants our cars paid off. He wants us to have excess. So we know this. We know that we've been redeemed. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 say this. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me. For cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree, that the blessings of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Look at somebody and say, God has promised. And committed, and committed to me, to me. His, blessings. his blessings. They're committed. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're on a, a fixed income. It does not matter. God will release finances into your life. He will change you having to live from prescription to prescription. I mean, some of y'all have $800 a month, or a, a, a month bills and just prescriptions. Wouldn't you rather God just paid that off for you? I believe he can. I believe he will. Somebody say amen. amen. Come back tonight. I'm going to share tonight. But listen, I preached last Sunday night these eight principles proving to us Jesus wants us to have prosperity and that, he, that we need, you need financial uh, empowerment. Look at somebody and say, I need, I need financial, financial empowerment. empowerment. Now look at somebody else and say, you need Financial empowerment. We need it. 
We need it, one, because in the garden, we lost our custodial rights to prosperity and finances and the treasures of heaven. And we need it because we need to get them back. We need the power to receive them back. Two, we need to be free from borrowing so much or borrowing at all. We need to own our stuff. And when God says to us, give it away, we need to be able to, I said this Sunday night, I want to give my motorcycle away. I'd love to give my motorcycle away. I just love it. But I can't. I owe on it. I'm not thinking the bank would appreciate it. What happened to your payment? Oh, I gave it to Joe. Well, where's the money? I don't know. I gave the bank to Joe. I have a feeling they'd foreclose on me and go find Joe. What do y'all think? No, we need to pay our stuff off. It'd be nice when God speaks to our hearts. Many don't give today because they don't have it to give. But I want to show something to you. Listen, free from borrowing. We need to be free from lack. What else? Why do I need to be empowered to prosper? Jesus died for it. He died to set us free from poverty. What else? It confirms Jesus that God has confirmed to us our need for money. Listen to this, Matthew 6, 32. He said, after all these things do the Gentiles seek for, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. God knows you have need of these things, and he died for it. Number, number five, I said, money answers everything. It answers most things. Money answers. When you go to McDonald's and you want your Rolo, Oh, I'd love to have a Rolo. <laughs> you know what's funny? I got to preaching the other week, and I started preaching about food. Do y'all remember I was talking about being a waiter, and I lost my train of thought? I'm telling you, while I was preaching, I started smelling it. <laughs> I woke up in a daydream. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm still preaching. I'm not at the restaurant. <laughs> I had to get, who was it? Marguerite helped me out. Money answers most things. Six, poverty's a curse. I don't want to live in the curse. Number seven, Jesus did not come for us to endure life. He came for us to enjoy life. Amen. I like this. First Timothy says this. Charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in their certain uncertain riches, but the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. We're to trust in God. And number eight, I said, so that you can abound unto every good work. Today, many people are poor and won't give. And the reason they're poor is because they won't give. You see, I, I know that God said it. It's forever settled. God wants me to prosper. He wants me to abound in financial blessings. He wants to empower me in wealth. He wants to empower me. I mean, right now, my kids, Amy and I are putting away thousands of dollars for their educations, for their future. We're working hard to make sure that they stay their grades, stay a certain level, so that they're capable, they're, 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 they have access to good education when they get older. This dog, we think we might breed the dog so we can put a, you know, if you bred a dog and you sold the dogs off, you know, I mean, what do they cost, four or $500 or whatever? I mean, you may, you may be able to make a few thousand dollars, put it away every year for your child. We ought to think these ways, and we ought to provide for them, but folks, God wants us to, to be empowered to prosper. And wherever you're sitting there, you have to understand there are methods. We may not know what they are. We might not. But let me show you what I believe is the key to your breakthrough, the key. Because God would not leave us without the answer. If he told me he wanted me to be financially empowered, then he must have given me a key. There must be an answer. Instead of excusing where I live on some type of trauma God's got me in. 
Come on, because that's what we do, isn't it? Well, I ain't got nothing because the devil been chasing me around all day and the Lord's trying to teach me something. Uh-uh. You just don't know the secret to prosper. You don't know the secret that releases prosperity. Many great spiritual praying people are suffering in poverty today and in poorness because they don't understand that there is a, there's a, there is a reason they're poor. You're looking to everybody else to be your solution to poor. You're looking for a better government job. You're looking for a better a, a raise in pay where you work. You're looking for a, 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 a promotion. Nothing wrong with that, but it ought to come from the Lord. He said promotion comes from the Lord no matter what. You know, I know this might be a new way of thinking. I feel like I'm running up against some stuff. I do. I feel like I'm, I'm hitting a little bit of a brick wall this morning. You got your focus on the wrong thing. He said, trust not in uncertain riches. Listen, this world system is uncertain. This government is uncertain. Every government is uncertain. But Jesus, God is the certainty. God is the way out. Listen to me. God is the way out. God is the way out. See, I know why. You know why the devil likes to keep poverty the way that it is? Because he can keep us fighting each other. This deception of the devil keeping people poor and keeping them under keeps the church from growing and truth being taught. Because if we had the resources we needed in here, we'd be on television. We'd be doing all the things that we need to do to reach the people for Jesus Christ. We could unleash the presence of God in our city and Florence and everything about it could prosper because you, the people of God, would prosper. Marriages would succeed. The greatest deficit in marriage, the most hurtful thing that happens in a marriage is, is, is financial difficulty. It wrecks marriages. People that need medical care or whatever, they need money to go to the hospital. I'm running up against it this morning. I feel it. Why do you want to be poor? Why do you want to be poor? Why would you want to fight for your right to be poor? Why do you want to fight for your right to hang on to poverty? Why don't you want to get out? I want to get out. I came out from nothing. My father was born in a home. He really shouldn't have even been born. My father didn't even know who his dad was. At eight years old, living under a bridge and in the caves in Tennessee in Chattanooga, a woman came and said, hey, would y'all like to come live with me? And him and his brother went to her house, didn't even know it was their grandmother. I came from nothing. My mom lived in the island. She didn't have nothing. They, they moved when she was 18 years old. There were 15 brothers and sisters, a total of 18, including the three adopted children. I came from nowhere. I didn't have nothing. I didn't come from anything. But God, my mom and dad stood in there, and we stood with God. We stood with the Lord. And today, my sister and I are very successful people doing successful things, not because anybody gave us a hand up, or a, you know, or I shouldn't say a hand up, a hand out. I, my mom and dad went to the food kitchens. 
My mom and dad had to go and take some, some of that, that government cheese. We stood in the lines. I don't stand in the line no more. And I'm not going to stand in line no more. I'm believing for you. Listen to me. I'm going to preach this church into a prosperity. I'm going to preach you into business ownership. I'm going to preach you into being the head and not the tail. I'm going to preach you into being above and not beneath. I'm going to preach you into above and not beneath. Huh? I'm going to preach you out. I'm going to preach you right out. You're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the field. You're going to be blessed coming in. You're going to be blessed going out. And I'm telling you anything less than that's a lie from hell. Glory to God, I want you to get so angry about it. If God can do it for me, he'll do it for you. I don't often share this stuff because, you know, some of that got a little ashamedness to it. You know what I'm talking about? It's a little hard to talk about where your family's been and what they've been through. And the times all we had was a camper to live in. When we were thrown out and didn't have a thing. I remember our house burnt down. We didn't have nothing. I'm talking about nada. Zilch. The house burnt down. The little dog we had died in the house. We didn't have, I mean, we were destined for failure. I mean, you talk about failure? Everything we had was in the church, and it was the church parsonage. It burnt down. They didn't have insurance on the parsonage. The church didn't have money to pay for the insurance. We're sitting there with nothing. We didn't have anywhere to go. I'm talking about nowhere. We didn't know what tomorrow held. You talk about problems? I mean, we're going to be living in the, in the, in the why. My mama went out in front of that little, that little building as it burnt down. The little city came around, and the fire truck was out there trying to put the fire out. My mama got down on her hands and knees. And she began to praise God right in the middle of that fire, watching everything. She, we just moved in that night, the, the last night. Saturday night, we moved in and burned down on Sunday. She got down on her hands and feet and knees and began to worship and praise God and send a, I mean, crying out to God, I'll worship you. People thought she was absolutely crazy. My, mom, my dad was in the inside of the church, and I believe this is what released it all. There was a young man that had preached for my father that morning that had come over from Bible school. And so my dad said, he went up to my dad, he said, I know what the problem is. He said, I know how you're feeling, Pastor McCart. He said, I, I, I've lost everything in my life as well. I have no way to pay my tuition. He said, if I had the money, I, I'd be able to keep going, but I'm going to have to quit school tomorrow. He said, so I just want you to know I feel your pain and know where you're at. My dad reached in his pocket. All he had was what he had. He had the offering from Sunday morning in his pocket. He took the offering from Sunday morning out and he put it in that little boy's hands. By the next day, someone had brought us a brand new double-wide mobile home and parked it on the property. By the next day, free of charge, they called us to go down. It got so bad, my dad had to put an article in the newspaper and ask people to stop giving because we had nowhere to put it and we didn't know what to do with it. We went from nowhere, with nothing, with no hope, with no idea what we were going to do, till just, I mean, within minutes, within minutes.
when the enemy comes in like a flood. God will raise up a standard against it. I have never seen the, oh, hallelujah. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen their seed begging for bread. I know you might be sitting there today and say, well, he, he don't know my plight. He don't know what I've been through. Folks, you don't know where I come from. You don't know what I've been through. I can tell you where I'm going, though. I can't tell you where I'm going. I can't tell you where God's taking me to. He said he's going to take me from glory to glory. Somebody in this room ought to shout. Shout. 